Hi, you guys. We are on day 18 of the Pelvic Health Challenge, so we are nearing the end here. And we've talked a lot over the course of these 18 days about the mind-muscle connection when it comes to our pelvic health. And today we're going to expand on this a little bit and talk more about that concept of mind-muscle connection and in essence talk about the psychology around pelvic floor health and pelvic health. Now, obviously a disclaimer, I am absolutely not a psychologist, psychotherapist or anything like that. I just want to give you guys a brief rundown of just how much our mind and muscle or mind and pelvic floor pelvic health is related and how they're really connected. And some of it might resonate with you guys when I talk about specific examples. And if that is true, I highly recommend chatting with us, chatting with kind of some of my colleagues in psychology, um, and we can kind of suggest some people for you if there's anything that resonates and anything you want to explore a little bit further. But again, I'm going to repeat, it's so, so, so true that the mind and body is absolutely connected, especially when it comes to our public health. And in terms of public health, what we're chatting about in this psychology mind muscle connection is primarily two concepts. So the concept of conditioning and the idea of feedback loops and the expectations within those loops. And so let's start with conditioning. So if any of you guys have taken Psych 101, which is probably a whole lot of you, you will remember chatting about conditioning. Think of Pavlov's dog, right? Ring the bell, get food, get excited. Ring the bell, start to salivate at the bell because the bell means food is coming even if food doesn't come. So we have conditioned that dog to salivate over the sound of a bell ringing. And we condition our body and our brain literally all the time. We talked about whatever day we chatted about bathroom habits, we talked about the just-in-case pee, and we talked about how the problem with the just-in-case pee is that if you do that frequently, say that bladder is only filling to about 30% full, for example, of urine, and then you are constantly going just-in-case around that point. So then what your brain learns is, oh, hey, when I'm 30% full, it is conditioned to believe hey, I'm 30% full, I have to pee. And so those muscles will start contracting. You might have incontinence, you might have urgency because we have conditioned ourselves that we go at that point. So that's an example of conditioning. There's some other stuff in terms of conditioning, right? So we've conditioned ourselves um, with urgency. So anyone who has the symptom of urgency or who's experienced urgency, especially those of us who have urgency that is triggered by something, we have essentially conditioned ourselves that when that trigger happens, we go to the bathroom. And so when we are coming up to whatever that trigger is, our brain will flip that switch. Oh, we go to the bathroom now. And so again, muscles will contract all of those things. So what I'm talking about here, if you're not familiar, a lot of times we get what's called urge incontinence or urgency. And that's when you don't have to go to the bathroom. You don't have to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden in one moment, it's like, bam, gotta go, gotta go now. And that can sometimes be associated with incontinence and that can sometimes not. 
And a lot of times this urgency is associated with a specific trigger. Common ones are the second you put your key in the door to unlock it, to go home. That is a big one. As soon as you put your bag in, when you close the door, that is a big one. Running water is a big one. Uh, Sometimes people getting out of their car when they get home. There's a variety of different triggers, but as you can see, a lot of them are associated with, or at least the few examples I've given you, kind of when you get home. Because what do we always do? We get home, put the key in the door, unlock the door, put our stuff down, and then go to the bathroom to void. So we have, again, conditioned ourselves that the next thing that happens after that key goes into the door is we go pee. And so our brain is going to be like, I got you. I'm going to, you know, work in advance and I'm going to get started here. And then you have a sense of urgency and maybe even the incontinence. So these are examples of conditioning when it comes to our pelvic health. There's a gazillion more. And as you can imagine, this isn't just true of our pelvic health. We will, we condition ourselves for all sorts of things, but these are just some very pertinent examples. Otherwise, in terms of the psychology or kind of the mind muscle connection when it comes to our public health. So we talked a little bit about conditioning, but there's also more to that, of course, right? So like say, for example, and this is more true of people who have symptoms. So this episode might be a little bit more pertinent for anyone who has symptoms and those can be any symptoms. So incontinence, painful sex, urgency, frequency, bowel issues, whatever your symptoms may be. Let's use incontinence for an example. So if you're someone who is experiencing incontinence, you're obviously going to be, or you may be, worried that you'll have episodes of incontinence. And that could lead you to hold tension because you're hoping to just hold everything in. But then that doesn't help because that's not how our muscles worked as we learned. It trains the wrong thing. It essentially, right, conditions the wrong thing as well. Uh, And we get into this difficult situation where we don't want to be incontinent. So we try to do the things to stop it. And what we do to try to stop it just makes us stressed and tense and worried. And it makes it harder for us to do the things that we need to do, like relax and properly strengthen those muscles because of that fear and that tension. Totally common and totally understandable. And a lot of the times when we treat things in pelvic health, like like incontinence, for example, people are floored at the beginning when we talk about, okay, we need to teach relaxation just as much, if not more, as we need to teach the contraction, because we need those muscles to work through full range of motion. But for most people, that is not intuitive, because intuitively, what they want to do is just keep everything so tight to keep anything from coming out. So huge mind muscle component there. And then the other one I really want to chat about is um, feedback loops. And I mentioned that at the beginning, and feedback loops based on past experience, on expectation, on emotion, on a variety of things. And this 
These feedback loops happen all the time, but the example I'm going to use is painful sex because it works really well and it's re really easy to understand what I mean by these feedback loops with this example. So say you are someone who deals unfortunately with painful penetration, which means when something's inserted into your vagina, be it a toy, a finger, a penis, there is pain. Now your brain remembers that when something was in the vagina, there was pain. And so the next time that you're in a situation where something will be inserted into the vagina, like a finger, a toy, a penis, your brain is like, oh, oh fire alarm, like protection. We need to sound the alarm because this hurt us last time. So we're going to do everything in our power to protect ourselves. And that is usually what we call that fight or flight response. So it cranks up your heart rate. You get those feelings of anxiousness, right? Tension. It contracts your muscles to protect you, right? So contracting those muscles to protect you. So nothing can kind of irritate them. But of course, what this does is it tightens those muscles, tightens the muscles of our pelvic floor, which then does cause pain. So sex causes pain. So we get in this cycle of sex hurt. The next time we're in a situation where sex might happen, we're going to protect ourselves. Brain's going to be like, hey, you're my friend. Let's like protect you. And it's going to do all of these things. And all of these things lead to sex hurting. And we get in this circle that is really hard to break. So sex hurts. We expect it to hurt. So it hurts. And these feedback loops can get really challenging because we don't purposely decide this. We don't consciously pay attention to this. These are all things that happen without, have us, without us having any idea that they are. It is not a conscious decision. Oh, I want to protect myself. I'm going to, you know, tense my muscles. It happens absolutely on the subconscious level. And really and truly, most people don't have control over it. And that's what we want to do. We want to break the loop in a safe way. Now, in my painful sex example, to be honest, if you're someone with painful sex, likely, not likely, very, very probably the information in this episode is not going to be near enough, right? So I highly recommend you go make an appointment with a pelvic health physio because there's so many tips and tricks and tools that we have in our toolbox to break that cycle, to do so safely and to do so without cranking up your nervous system and getting that response or that expectation um, continually working, right? So highly, highly re recommend you chat with someone. But essentially what we do in order to break that cycle when it comes to painful sex is stop reinforcing the painful behavior. So what that essentially means is if sex hurts and then we're about to have sex, we expect it to hurt, so it hurts, there might be a time that you need to refrain a little bit from sex as you know of in terms of, you know, vaginal penetration. And I know that's not always what people want to hear, but again, if we constantly reinforce that it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, then that just reinforces that cycle and it becomes very challenging to stop. So instead, what we want to do is 
introduce ways of being intimate and having sex that don't include penetration, but that still do very much include pleasure. So that's part of it, starting to reinforce the behavior. But then in physio, what we do is we use those tips, tricks, tools that I mentioned to essentially train the brain more than anything that, hey, when things are inserted into the vagina, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be painful. We don't have to go back into this loop and continue that cycle. So again, that's a little bit more involved. And if you are someone that deals with painful sex, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you work with a physio because it is truly life-changing what we can do in terms of treatment for that dysfunction. We can also break the loop or break that conditioned response for any other things in our pelvic health kind of realm. So if we're going back to that urgency, for example, so say you're someone who gets urgency the second you put your key in the door, you get there and you got to go and you got to go now. And you typically do. What we need to do to break that is to basically unconnect those two things. So you want to take that power away from the trigger, essentially. So what that means is you're going to insert your key You're going to get that urge to pee and you're going to put things into your own hands if you can and not rush to the bathroom. So don't do the behavior to reinforce it. That can be really hard, especially if you do deal with incontinence. So this sometimes is only as long as five seconds, maybe 10, right? Sometimes you can't really just stop and and do that. But our goal is to do those five seconds, do those 10 seconds, and eventually see if you can continue to increase the endurance at which you, you know, don't reinforce the behavior. So what that can look like is stopping, taking, you know, a minute, a few minutes, depending on how comfortable you are with it, distracting the crap out of yourself. So doing some pretty tough mental arithmetic, that's a good idea. Mentally going over your to-do list. Name the names of fruits that start with A, so apple, banana, like, and then keep just going on, A, B, C. What's a C? Oh, there's probably a really cantaloupe. (laughs) Wow. See, you guys, like, I had to think, and I was distracted for a moment. So that's a really good example. It doesn't have to be fruit. You can do vegetables. You can do plants. You can do physio terms. That would be a hard one. Maybe we should practice that with some physio friends. But Basically, anything that you need to do that's going to distract yourself from the urgency that you feel and break that pattern, break that trigger so that it isn't that condition response. So we're no longer salivating at the bell like Pavlov's dog. Does that make sense, you guys? There is so, so much to it. And I would say psychology and pelvic floor physio are so intricately linked And I love, love, love working with my amazing psychology colleagues because it is so powerful when you really bring these two disciplines together to optimize whatever it is we're trying to optimize, whether that's your pelvic health, your overall health, or if we're treating anything specific, the two disciplines together can be incredibly powerful and so complementary. And I just love working with my friends in psych because it is such a mind muscle connection and it is such a, it's hard to tease out what comes where with the exception of obviously the very obvious physical piece of physiotherapy. And lastly, 
I say lastly, but I'll probably keep going. But no, what I think lastly is, remember that first day or day two, I can't recall, when I chatted about how we feel about our body and kind of the self-talk we have around our body. So again, if we're someone who has symptoms, whatever those symptoms are, if we are always ruminating on those symptoms, if we are always beating ourselves up because their body isn't doing what it's supposed to, or why can't my, you know, pelvic floor be with like Karen's over there or why this, why that, if we're constantly doing that, then it does become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because what happens is we look for evidence that proves us right. I suck. My pelvic health sucks. I'm never going to get better. And so what we do is we really recognize the times that we feel could prove that point to be true. So I went running after a kid unexpectedly and I leaked. Oh, so that's true. I suck. But then maybe you went to run after a dog earlier and nothing happened, but you don't remember that time because it didn't confirm your hypotheses that your body sucks. And I know that sounds harsh how I'm saying this and I don't mean it to be, (laughs) but essentially it's, it's just how we do create a little bit of this self-fulfilling prophecy. We expect our body or we feel like our body's not doing what it should. So we are only going to see those times that it's not performing as well as it should be. And then we dwell on those, but then we forget or don't pay attention to all the other incredible things that our body does. And that can be really hard. That can be, I mean, it's hard being unhappy with yourself. It's hard. You're going to have stress and tension and that's going to influence your breathing. And it really brings everything full circle because it's going to touch on most of the things that we chatted about over the course of the last 17, 18 days. So again, mind muscle connection is huge. How we talk to ourselves is so important. How we've conditioned ourselves is so important. And Anytime we do get into a um, sorry, a symptomatic feedback loop, it becomes really important to kind of take a step back, recognize that cycle that's happening and ask questions, whether it be something you can answer yourself or of the professionals around you of how you can break that loop, how you can break that cycle and restore optimum health and performance of all of these muscles. I hope that makes sense, you guys. I don't have a ton of homework in terms of what we chatted about today. I would love, love, love for you guys to do another day like one of our first where you, again, write down kind of three to five things that you're really happy about, that you're grateful for, and how your body has served you well over the last day or two. I think that's really important to revisit. I hope some of you have been keeping up that practice this whole time. Uh, that's a really good thing. And then my other homework is if you are someone who has symptoms, it could be urgency, painful sex, anything we chatted about incontinence. I want you to try to break the loop a little bit or, or decondition what we've conditioned by maybe if it's that urgency example, distracting yourself, slowing down and not reinforcing that conditioned response. You guys, we're coming up to the last few days. I'm so excited to uh, finish off this challenge with you and hear how everybody liked it. Enjoy your night. Bye.